Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist, and this is Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. On today's episode, we are interviewing Brian Mesmer from Easy Float. Hi, Brian. Hey. Thanks for hey. coming on today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I was, I was slow on the queue. It's, uh, it's like 11.30 in the morning here. I should have picked up a little bit faster on saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Nikki. This is super cool. I'm really excited to be here. Good. I'm excited to have you on, too. I think it's going to help a lot of our listeners open up to what floating is. And the way that I found you is that I was having a super stressful time uh, probably about two years ago. And Chris and I, I was like, that's it. We're going to try a float. I've been wanting to do it. And we just got on. It was so easy to book with you. And then we showed up and it, the floating was amazing. And I saw the little write-up that you had in the Denver Easy Float that talked about how you came to floating. So can you tell our listeners a little bit of your journey to becoming oh, a yeah. float entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, the write-up you talked about, is that my, is that the quote that's in there? Is that a yes. floating, that sounds stupid, and I'm not going to try that? <laughs> yes. That's why, I mean, that's as honest as I can get. I thought floating, can we swear on this program? Oh, what's yeah, the, as much as you want. What's the length? Oh, <laughs> all right, I'll control myself. I'll pace myself. I don't swear nearly as much as I used to. We've got a 19-month-old at home, and he's like a parrot, so he repeats everything. So I've cleaned up my language a lot, but, uh, excuse me, back to floating, uh, I heard about it uh, in 2015 from an old college roommate, uh, Kevin. And Kevin's like, he's, I don't know where he is in the world. He was in my wedding um, a few years ago in Mexico, and then I haven't seen him since. He's alive. He's somewhere. But Kevin's like, you should uh, you should go try floating. And I said, no, thanks. That sounds like hippie bullshit, and I'm not going to try it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's probably feeling chakras, doing the prayer flag thing somewhere in the world right now and i was like okay floating is just another kevin thing total skeptic wasn't about to try it he was no just go you know check out a float tank tell me what you think i think it could be a cool business um so i was like all right i'll go check i'll take a look i'll check it out i floated uh, my first float was actually miserable however i slept incredible that night 
I was like, okay, like this is the only thing to help me sleep. And I'm, I still deal with insomnia. I can fall asleep, but can't stay asleep. Mm. I wake up like clockwork at 3 a.m. Um, and floating is the only thing that, uh, that made a difference for me in keeping uh, the sleep going. So yeah, I went from massive skeptic, like, no, nope, no thanks. That's another Kevin thing to, okay, let's open up a float shop and see kind of where it goes and where it takes us. So yeah, that was 2015. And then I opened up Easy Float in Denver uh, in 2017 because it was brutal to build, but but worth it, super worth it, really cool, and I'm having probably the most fun I've had in my career um, doing the float business. Very cool. So tell people, like, give, give people the lowdown on what it is and how it works, because I, I think the the concerns people have are that they're going to feel claustrophobic if they're enclosed yep. in it, and they're worried about like the gross out factor of this. It, <laughs> if it it seems before you do it, it seems like you're just going to get in somebody else's dirty bathwater. Yeah, yeah, that's gross, and I completely agree with that. <laughs> Those are literally the number one and two things we hear. First, we always hear is it claustrophobic. Um, and our canned response as an industry is like, no, floating feels limitless. Um, and then as far as like, okay, but is it going to be funky? Because I'm, I'm actually, I wouldn't say germaphobe. I don't have a phobia, but I'm pretty hygienic. Like I'm pretty uncomfortable. Like I, for instance, I will go to, um, um, what am I trying to say? Like, what are the, what are the hippies? What do they go? They're yoga. like the, uh, no, I don't, well, I don't do yoga just for other reasons, but, <laughs> but, uh, what are they, like the um, mineral baths? I want ah, to like okay. a mineral bathhouse. Like I just can't do it. And now, like knowing what I know, I can't even get into like a hotel hot tub. Um, but I can get into a float tank because it is so much cleaner than any other body of water you've ever gotten. We use like a, a more robust um, pool and spa code, basically. So we go off of like how many people are in that pool at one time. It's a one person to tank ratio. So right there, you're cleaner than any spa or hot tub or shared water situation. And not only that, we use very beefy filtration in order to turn over every cubic inch of the solution three and a half times in between every float session. So it's thoroughly cleaned in before, uh, in between every float session too. So sanitation is obviously incredibly important. Um, but yeah, I understand why people's initial reaction to it would be like, no way, that can't be. But it's like, no, it's it's very, very clean. And on top of that, the concentration of Epsom salt in the solution um, is like 30%. So it's saltier than the Dead Sea by about 10%. Um, so and the reason why it's called the Dead Sea is because nothing can grow in it with that um, concentration of salt. So we, and we, I mean, we go to conferences, we have like water sanitation experts present on it. The float tank, as long as it's being properly maintained, is cleaner than any other pool or spa you've ever been in. How much salt goes into each tank? Between like 900 and 1,000 pounds. Wow. pure magnesium sulfate. So it's like the good stuff. The Epsom salt is making a huge difference for, you know, sports recovery, muscle and joint recovery, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, you, and you floated, right? And so you're, you're floating it effortlessly. If you push a hand down, it's going to spring back up. Oh, yeah. I, and I've loved it. Like one of the things that I liked about trying you first was that it's the open tank because I did. I had the fear of feeling a little claustrophobic because I, I don't like feeling enclosed. I don't like very small spaces. And when I found out that this one was open, I thought, oh, what a perfect way to introduce somebody to floating. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, we, you know, we caught a little bit of um, flack for that as far as like the industry goes because people wanted sensory deprivation. 
but now it's like no this is this is intended from the very beginning from like an origin as far as easy flow goes i want to make this available to everyone i know it's not going to be for everyone but we're going to make it as approachable uh as possible for as many people as possible that could benefit from some stress relief and some balance in their life so that was the whole thought from the very beginning was how do we make this approachable um and when the number one thing you hear is like is it claustrophobic it's like yeah, I get why you're concerned, but take a look, see what you think, and maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it won't, but at least it'll be something that's an option. So that's kind of the reasoning behind that tank and the design. Well, you're speaking my language because and this is why I have a podcast in the first place, because we can't live in these ideals of how things should be ideally. Like we've got to make it accessible. I mean, that's why I'm talking about mental health things and healing and strategies on this podcast, because we need more accessibility to things that are healing and good for us in this fast-paced, overworked kind of modern life that we're all living. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can't agree more. I think I read a statistic just uh, a week ago or something that we're scrolling through over 150 feet of content per day. Like, that's insane. That's intense. Like, there's no reason to try and get that much information. And we're so over-inundated with not just that information, but incredibly sophisticated algorithms getting us to convert to consumer. They want us to buy something. And we're just kind of at the mercy of, can you manage your phone addiction? Can you manage uh, unplugging? Can you get away from it? Well, in a float tank, you have no choice but to meditate because we've removed all those distractions. There's a meme or a gif. I don't know what the difference is, but it's a little image of a person in a float tank that has like an Apple watch on illuminating their face being like, when's this going to be over? And it's like, no, we get it. Like that's everyone's busy. And if you're too busy to float, then you need to float more than anyone Mm -hmm. just so you can shut down, recharge, unplug. So I describe it a lot of times as just like an adult timeout, like treat this like this is a space that's just for you to be quiet and no one can text you. No one can email you. No one can, you know, call you. No one can ask anything of you you get to literally shut down your engine and recharge. And it makes a tremendous difference in how you show up. Well, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but the the drum that I beat a lot is boundaries work. And so to me, like what I'm hearing you say is that we need more boundaries because technology is basically coming after us (laughs) at this point. And we need to enact these boundaries, that adult time out is a boundary. It's a discipline. It's I need this even when I don't want this and I need to make myself go do this because it's good for me. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm, I'm going to borrow that for sure. Actually, probably today when I float some more people um, because people definitely blur that line. And you've probably heard of like how fucked it is that people, you know, are texting while having sex with their spouse. It's like, that's not a joke. That shit happens. Like that is really weird and really perverted to be like, you allowed technology to cross that boundary into your family's like home. And it's just got to, like, people need to talk about it. People need to be aware and not have their head in the sand when it comes to, like, that, that phone's running you. You're not running your phone. Mm-hmm. And it's we, making uh, us neurotic. We try hard. Oh, my God. It's insane. I try and I don't ever have my phone as an alarm clock anymore. I stopped doing that years ago. I'm not the most disciplined person. I like to drink about six beers and eat two steaks on a regular basis. But, um, like, if I don't have the phone near me, if I plug it in in the kitchen... Uh, well, then I've got, I can't reach it. I can't touch it. And I'll just use a good old fashioned alarm clock. And I think that makes a big difference as far as like setting those boundaries and trying to create some sort of, you know, practice or discipline. Um, 
so yeah, like when we people come to the float center, the first thing you say is like, "Hey, how you doing? Have you floated before?" Uh, that kind of um, welcome. And then we say, "Okay, we always recommend um, two things right at the top: kill your phone completely and use the restroom if you need to go. The name of the game is just reducing distraction." And most people are like, "Yeah, no problem. Turning it off. Oh, I don't know how to turn it off. I've never turned it off before." Or once in a while, someone will go, "No." <laughs> All right. Well suggestion not a rule but the whole point is to come here and do nothing and then do even less and get to unplug and take that break from all that overwhelming you know expectations of your phone on you Mm -hmm. so absolutely it's such important work it's so so important that we have these spaces where we stop doing things and we stop being on. One of my specialties is addiction. And one of the things that pushes against sort of the traditional addiction model that someone has addiction is technology. Because when we look at technology, my philosophy is more like it's addictive to be human. Like we have addictive things like about being human. And if we all do a better job about being educated about that and sort of honoring that, we'll do a better job of taking care of ourselves. Because we're all addicted to the phone. We're all addicted to this tech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's a really, really good point. I think acknowledging that or getting folks to kind of, isn't it like in the 12 steps, like the first step is like admitting that you're an alcoholic or something. Mm -hmm. Admit that you are connected to that phone. Like I've been embarrassed to reach for my phone, like waiting in line at the grocery store when it didn't buzz or vibrate. And I reached for it, forgetting why I was even reaching for it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh shit, like that's bad. I need to spend less time on this thing. Oh yeah, I noticed it too. Mm -hmm. I think we're shifting. I think we're having like, if we have a conversation like this, that's got to be one indication of a shift. I think in 2017, the buzzword mindfulness, if there ever was a good buzzword to kind of embrace, I think mindfulness is a good one. Um, but I think there's a major shift in 2017 of people just having uh, a little bit more like concern, a little bit more self-awareness of, you know, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and remembering that, you know, the commodity time, you can't get more of it, but you can kind of create more of it. You can create more of it in the short term and like in the moments, but you can't tack any extra on at the end. And we don't have like an exact expiration date. So you better make the most of it while you're here and while you've got it. Um, not, I feel like I'm getting super soapboxy on you, Nikki, like over and over again, but it's like something I'm kind of intense about. I'm kind of passionate about, um, people taking care of themselves and the people around them by having those conversations and being aware. So I think that that's a good thing. I think that, you know, I heard just the other day, it was better to, I'd rather be an optimist and wrong than a pessimist and right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang, I don't remember where I heard it. It's not mine. I'm just borrowing it. Um, but I love it, and I've definitely repeated it a number of times over the last like month or so. So I think that our tech addiction, because I saw something on the news the other day where we're getting that funky bone growing at the base of the back of our skull that old people get mm-hmm. from like being hunched over. We're getting that in like our 30s because we're all hunched over. It's like, shit, that's weird. Now technology is changing us like on a bio- like, biological level. That's not good. Oh, I hadn't so, heard that one yet. I can't believe we're going to have yeah. a, tech, a tech bump. It's not Isn't good. That gross? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so I think it's cool that like people are starting to talk and be more aware and start to kind of like taper and uh, you know regulate how much we we get into our phones and our tech. Would you like to relax or fall asleep? 
while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Mm-hmm. I think those of us that choose to sort of own this and really own the personal responsibility of, of sort of crafting and sculpting our lives are seeking out things like floating. Like in my own life, like I grew up with a lot of stress and trauma as a kid. So I'm still healing my nervous system. So for post-traumatic stress symptoms, I keep describing this to my clients. I keep describing floating as the best nervous system reset I've ever felt. That's awesome. That's awesome. And also like really appreciate it. Thank you for spreading the word on floating. Honestly, even if they don't float at easy float, I'm like, just get into a float tank a couple of times. Float at least twice. Love to have it easy float, obviously, but if it's not easy float, if you get something closer to you or more convenient, just get into a tank a couple of times and see what it can do for you. Um, it's not going to be for everyone, but yeah, as far as getting into that parasympathetic state and increasing neuroplasticity by being in an altered state of consciousness, you do get the, the opportunity to kind of become more intentional and a little bit less impulsive. So if you're in recovery from whatever your addiction um, it's it's a positive environment, a good thing for people to, you know, get into that state and start to kind of rework the habits that they want to have and start kind of taking, you know, taking control. Well, and I noticed, too, because I, I bet this keeps people from pulling the trigger and, and trying this. I'm an experienced meditator. And before I did my first float, I really thought, "Ooh, how is this going to be? Like, are my thoughts going to race? Am I going to feel sort of... Mm, trapped in this tank and and is it going to stress me out even though I'm an experienced meditator but what I found was quite the opposite that it's actually really easy like to be in that tank to be floating to have my system and my sensory centers no longer processing stimuli it actually it's like I feel it as if my body said oh this is the body's way of meditating and we don't have to pay attention to anything. And actually this is the easiest way to slip into a meditative state that you've ever felt. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we're, we're tricking you into meditating mm-hmm. by reducing enough distractions to get your brain to go into that in between awake and asleep space. Um, it's basically like falling asleep in slow motion. If we can drop you into that theta brain wave, and kind of prolong it, keep you there for a little bit, it reduces um, hyperconnectivity in the brain between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. So if we quiet those two regions, um, it's basically affecting, you know, or excuse me, mimicking the effects of an SSRI. So it's like what Prozac does without taking Prozac. Um, and from someone that's like, like, you know, was massive skeptic, I'm terrible at meditating. I don't meditate at all. Like, I mean, I know I want to, I know I've tried, um, but the only way I can meditate is if I'm forced to uh, by getting into a float tank and just having to kind of wait 
let the tank do the work. Um, I once in a while, if like you're down on South Pearl Street, across the street from us, um, or across the street from Steam, is a meditation co-op called uh, Mayu. And the owner there, Sierra, um, she is just amazing. And like every once in a while, I'll pop in there. Usually when I feel myself like get in my truck and start ripping out of the parking lot a little bit too frustrated or like a little bit too fast, I'm like, oh shit, I need to slow down. I'll pull back into uh, Mayu, go in there and be like, hey, Sierra, can I like, can I sit for like five minutes? And she's like, yeah, you're good. Sit down, um, put the headphones on, do a guided meditation, kind of like take it back to baseline and relax. Uh, and that's literally the only way I can float, or excuse me, float. The only way I can meditate is if I sit down, put on headphones, have someone, you know, at a meditation co-op tell me that I'm okay to, you know, you know, meditate without judging myself for not being good at it and let go. Before oh, I get into that's a wonderful. Float tank. Uh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah, if you're into meditating, you, you should definitely check out Mayu. Um, she's just amazing. The space is incredible. I think you would dig it. I will pop in there the next the next time I'm down on Pearl Street. I will definitely pop in there. Cool. You know, if I often play the game, if I controlled everything in the world, and if I controlled everything in the world, you know, when I'm trying to get people to meditate just that five minutes a day, because there is there's so much resistance against it collectively, I, I would almost want people to float first. So that they can really feel that meditative space sort of organically and get kind of tricked into that meditative state so that they can feel it. And then they kind of know more of what they're looking for when they're outside of the tank. Yeah, that's a great call. It's kind of like it's a little bit of a head start. It gives you a little bit of like kind of 10 point advantage on getting into something that is intimidating and unfamiliar, um, you know, kind of get a little bit of a jump on it and then get into a meditative kind of spot and then start working through with like a headspace app or something like that into your meditation practice um no i think that's great i think that's a really good call very cool and i i don't want to end this call before mentioning these two things because one of the things i really appreciate about your business and your business model is that it's really really easy to schedule with you yeah yeah well that's another barrier to entry right Mm -hmm. i don't want to make this any more obscure or difficult or intimidating for anyone and that's kind of the whole thought behind the easy flow brand or the concept is you know when you show up somewhere everyone's felt this uh if you haven't then it's really really weird and rare but have you ever been somewhere where you don't feel comfortable because fill in the blank you're not wealthy enough you're not earthy enough you're not grounded enough you're not um crossfit enough you're not fill in the blank Mm -hmm. hip enough um, if you're any one of those things and you shove somewhere, you're like, shit, like I'm already like, I don't feel like I fit here. That's a terrible feeling. So it's like, if you go to easy float, it, it's for everyone. Like you can get there and it's, it's very much intentionally vague. Like I want it to feel first clean and warm and welcoming, but also just for anyone that comes to the door. Cause we have a very broad spectrum as far as members, members go. We've got everyone from like, you know, people with war, war-torn PTSD type of situation. We've got people that are, you know, um, fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis, real ambiguous autoimmune folks. We've got pro athletes. We've got new parents. We've got, um, you know, students and grad students and medical professionals, all the way to, like, the high-level executives that are looking for some way to kind of return balance to their life. So it's, it really is, you know, designed and intended to be for anyone and for everyone. So... Um, and yeah, barrier to entry. Um, yeah, it's easy. Just click on, go to easefloat.com, click on booking and you're there. Well, and let's name this too, before we end this call. Um, 
the recommendation is to do this naked. And that weirds people out. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not naked with anyone else. You're naked by yourself. Um, and the thought is to, like, we want to reduce distractions. So a swimsuit can be um, a, something that's just brushing up against you. So we kind of want you to kind of forget where you start and stop and where the, like, the float solution begins. And so if we can take away that distraction, that's good. Um, also, the swimsuit thing is we're very intense about how clean everything is. And sometimes, you know, if you're going to go float the South Platte and then hop into a float tank, that's bad. That's bad news for us. So swimsuits can be funky. We prefer to just have uh, the person and nothing else into the tank just because they're that hyper intense about cleanliness. Um, that said, if you're really bashful, even when you're in, you know, the bathroom or the, the whatever by yourself or you're in a float room by yourself entirely, you can wear a swimsuit. That's fine. Um, just make sure it's washed thoroughly. But we wouldn't stop you. I'm so glad to hear you say that because a, lo- a lot of the people that listen to the show, a lot of the people that I work with are recovering from childhood sexual abuse. And sometimes the vulnerability of just stripping down, even though in our headspace, we might know this yeah. is completely safe and this is OK, that that might be the barrier. And I don't want anyone who is listening to this who's thinking, "Ooh, this might be good for me to not try it because they're scared of that. So I want to just really name it as clearly as I can that there is permission for you to be covered up and try a float and kind of do this in, in gradual stages the way that you need to so that you can start to experience the benefits of this beautiful practice of floating. That's I mean I can't I cannot put it better than, than that. Like that's and sincerely like it'll bring me to tears thinking about it and talking about it and how critical it is that if someone has experienced any kind of trauma, whatever unfortunate way um, it came about, that you're welcome. You're good. You can come here. You can be here. You don't have to, you know, that's it. It's you're welcome. It's everyone's welcome. It's all good. So um, yeah, it don't, please don't be intimidated. It's, it's not, it's not a big deal. You're just taking a break. Oh yeah. I definitely cried the first time I left the float center. It's going to make me cry now <laughs> because yeah, well, I'm, it, it it's such a to find something that really soothes you that isn't take a pill and like how sick our health care is it's just so powerful and it's so wonderful and it's so needed so i just it like i think i left i might have even hugged the girl that was working <laughs> and thanked her yeah yeah and i mean as, as far as non-pharmacological you know options i think floating is you know obviously in the top three i believe in it i'm a little biased but that said, I also, if, if someone's a, you know, on Lexapro or in our house, we called it Lexachill or whatever it is that you're taking, it's, that's fine too. Don't judge yourself. There's nothing embarrassing about that's taking right. care of yourself. That's you right. know, do other things, do find your, find your workup, find your recipe for, for living happy and balanced and don't be embarrassed. Um, if you're, if you're on Lexachill, nothing wrong with that. Honestly, I like think it's incredibly admirable to do something like that and take care of yourself and believe that. You know, you can do more. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the float practice goes, God, I'm going to, I'll choke up because this morning I'll share one more story and then I'll let you go. I'm, I think you probably want to get back to your day. But uh, yeah, this morning we didn't have any floats booked here in Bend. And uh, the phone call, a phone call came in from this woman and she goes, Hey, like, uh, can I come in? Like, I, you know, I had a very, very serious car accident, you know, it was a while ago, but I've had horrible concussion. And, you know, I've been working through it and she's like, I just can't even function. Like, I'm not, I'm not well. Can I, I'm like, yeah, you know, come in right now. Like, well, we'll, we'll accommodate. We'll figure this out. We'll make it work. 
Um, and she's like, yeah, I've been, you know, crying and choking up and like, she has all kinds of like horrible TBI, um, you know, symptoms. And she comes in and almost immediately, like her eyes water, you know, well up and she starts to cry. And I'm like, it's all right. Like, let's, you know, let's get you, let's get you in this float tank. Let's see how it goes. This was on her first float. She also floated, um, seven or eight years ago after her uh, husband passed and she was, you know, using the float tank kind of as a, another thing to get over some of the grief that she was managing. And I'm like, all right, let's, you know, we learned a lot about uh, each other and her and she came in and I was like, all right, well, you know, she was like, well, you, you know, you saved, you saved me. And I'm like, well, we didn't, you know, we didn't really do anything. We just picked up the phone. We're scared of pitching the float tank. That's what we do. And she's like, no, I, I was thinking that um, if I couldn't get in here, it might be the end for me. Mm. I was like, that's pretty heavy, you know, let's, you know, let's get you in the tank. And she did, and she came back out and it was, it was a, you know, it was a procedural float for sure. Like she needed to kick the tires on it and learn a little bit more about, you know, how to get into it without getting saltwater eyes and stuff. But it made, uh, it made a difference. It made a difference this morning. She was going to come back tomorrow morning and float. And she said again, she's like, yeah, you know, this saved me. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through uh, another day. And I was like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's just do whatever and, and, you know, hang out. If you don't want to float, just come hang out. We'll just sit together. So. I love yeah. it. Thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for sharing yourself. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I want to plug your book because you've written a book oh. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That book sucks. I don't know if I'd recommend <laughs> anyone buying that book. I wrote that book uh, in 40 days. After I met Simon Sinek, not to drop names, um, but Simon CEO. Um, I don't know if you are familiar, but Simon Sinek in the Start with Why book, mm-hmm. kind of the Start with Why group. Um, uh, yeah, Kim. Kim was a member for a long time. So they live in New York, but she also lives in Denver. And I met Simon, and Simon floated at Easy Float. And then my uh, my arrogance was like, well, this guy can write a book. I'm writing a book too. And then I just I knocked out a book, and it was pretty fun. And um, I'm actually, I'm going out to, uh, see you Boulder on Monday to do a, a talk about the book with, uh, the pre-leads business school, uh, students. So as far as business books goes, it's called business books aren't funny. Um, as far as business books goes, it's definitely like the young adult. Um, you should read it before you, uh, you learn too much about business. Otherwise it's just useless. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I, I get a kick out of your story and I get a kick out of your wit. So the, the tagline that I have in front of me is business books aren't funny. The living hell of starting a business and the relentless arrogance and endurance to make it to the finish line. Good luck. <laughs> and yeah, that is, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to the show. A lot of people in healing, a lot of people trying to figure out how to, work in the world to be part of this healing movement. So I think your book is very valuable and you're being modest and joking about your arrogance. And I appreciate what you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki. It was uh, was awesome getting to visit with you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you too. I appreciate you too. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, check out Brian Mesmer's Easy Float. There's a location here in Denver. There's a location in Boulder and in Bend, Oregon. If you're not near any of these locations, I strongly encourage you to do some research wherever you are to find the nearest float center. They are popping up all over the nation. I know at least two have opened up in Houston in the four years since I've left. 
check out where these centers are. It's also one of the most affordable ways to do your self-care. I believe that floats cost between $45 and $75 for 90 minutes. So that's a better price point than a 90-minute massage. So go seek out this work. There are always Groupons and and tons of ways to figure out how to get this into your self care. Brian generously offered a code to our listeners so that you can experience your very first float at half price. To get that deal at Easy Float here in Denver, use code Badass. Schedule your float now and take care of yourself as you say goodbye to this year. I'm an emotional badass. Brian is an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Go float, and I'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.